All right. Welcome, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to Wellness Wednesday Inspiration. My name is Fernanda Torres, and I'm here with Dr. Linda Marcus. And today we have a guest. We have Cynthia Never Give Up Simmons joining us today. I will give you a little bit of an introduction about Cynthia before we bring her on the show. But before, how are you doing, Dr. Linda, today? I'm great. How are you doing, everybody? Happy Wednesday. Call it Wellness Wednesday because, you know, there's always something to be good for and grateful for in our lives. So I'm excited to be here and, of course, with our guest. But um, I know there's going to be a lot of connections with mind training because we know that everything does start in the mind. And I just wanted mm -hmm. to share a, real, a story here really quick because... It's just a power of your intention. And I think this is all just going to flow so beautiful today as you've had a chance to chat with Cynthia. Mm -hmm. um, not so much myself, but, you know, this is how we kind of flow. So I'm excited about this. But this morning I had taken off to go um, meet someone for a walk. And, you know, those little iPod holders, you know, where you put your, your earbuds in mm -hmm. and they charge them. And mm -hmm. I got home and I thought I lost them. And I'm like, I can't oh. find them. I drove back to the park. I don't have my vehicle. I had my husband's. And something told me that look in the side, feel around. And I looked and I had looked, but they're like, no, put your hands down there. Sure enough. <laughs> I drove it was the there. It wasn't on the ground there. And I'm like, it's not there. And, um, pulled my hand in there and I, I felt it. I'm like, oh my gosh, here it is. Cause it's just this little square box and pulled it out. And I was like, thank you, God. But that, <laughs> you see, that's where the power of intention comes in and the power of the mind. And I'm sure Cynthia is going to have a lot of, um, you know, beautiful stories to share with us is, you know, we're telling her we're, we never give up, you know, that's mm -hmm. her story. Never give mm -hmm. up and things in life do happen. So I'm excited to yes. have her on. So I am so excited. <laughs> All right, just giving you guys a little bit of an introduction about Cynthia we, before we bring her in. She is married, she has four children, and she is the grandmother of 10 grandchildren. She did battle four different, totally different types of cancer. She will talk a little bit more about that when she comes live. She was giving six months to leave back in 2010, and she's still with us 10 years later. She did start a healthy coffee business, and through that business, she ended up participating in the 2011 Emmys, Nickelodeon Kids Choice Awards, MTV Movie Awards. She also wrote a book called A Breast Cancer Notification. Of course, one of the type of cancers that she had was the breast cancer. She became a blog talk radio show host, which, which actually turned into her becoming an inspirational speaker. Uh, she started a podcast, which is Talk Time with Cynthia. And now she's working on her second book, uh, which is titled I Won't Fire Me. And she is currently in training with motivational speaker Les Brown for certification on his Power Voice program. Uh, I will bring Cynthia on now so she can tell us way more about her and her incredible story. I did talk to Cynthia and her story is probably one of the most uh, inspirational stories of survival that I've heard. So let's bring her in. Hello, <laughs> Cynthia. 
Hi, Sri. Thank you for that great introduction. Hello, Dr. Marquez. Hi, how are you? Good to have Good. you. Good. Thank you. How are you feeling today, Cynthia? How are you doing? I'm good. I feel good. Um, it's, you know, finally we're getting some vitamin D. I'm in Washington State, Seattle. So, and Washington State, I don't know if you know, has one of the higher incidences of breast cancer and of uh, depression. And it's lack of vitamin D, you know, the sun, we get a lot of rain up here. And so that, you know, I will leave the state and go down to Vegas <laughs> just to get my dose of vitamin D. vitamin D. Yeah, so we're having sunshine all week. It's like for the last few weeks been really beautiful. So I, I really like absorb that, take it in, try to get some vitamin D, you know, naturally. I, I think it's a beautiful thing. That's awesome. That's and some awesome. color. <laughs> right? <laughs> Along with that. Yeah. Along with that, that's good. Cynthia, when we were talking, you were sharing a little bit of your history navigating with these four different types of cancers. And that to me, it's just incredible that not one single one of the cancers was related to the other ones, correct? Right, no metastasis, yeah, no. Wow. So can you tell us a little bit about your story, what, you know, how it started, how you came out of it, just a little bit of uh, an introduction for the audience? Absolutely. So um, first of all, thank you for having me. And yes, it is Cynthia Never Give Up Simmons, and I will tell you why. Um, my first, I, I'm, I'm writing my book currently, like you spoke of, the new one, I Won't Fire Me. And while I was writing that book, I started back in my childhood, you know, things that have happened to me or illnesses that I've had, um, you know, and at a very young age, I had the entire right side of my face ripped off from a dog. Um, so I had a, a major skin graft and things done. And uh, a year later, I was diagnosed with mononucleosis. Um, I was really, really sick. Uh, then I got the measles, you know, which a lot of kids from that time era, you know, dealt with the measles. Now I think they have the, the new um, vaccine for that. Uh, so many things happened in, in my childhood. When I was pregnant with my third child, I was diagnosed with um, uh, Crohn's disease. And it was actually listed as morbid Crohn's disease from a professor at a, a German university hospital. And I, I worked myself through it. Don't ask me how I did it, I, but I did. Um, and so I deal with IBS, you know, which is like, like uh, I have a lot of stomach issues. So irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's disease. Um, you know, I was dealing with colitis. Once I had my daughter, you know, I really plunged into, into my life. Uh, so I had the three kids by the time I was 22. At 36, I had my third child. And so between 30 and 36, in 1993, I was diagnosed with cervical cancer. And they had told me I had uh, two different surgeries. I got the depo um, injections. They put me on some chemo for a little while. They wanted to do hysterectomies. And I kept saying, no, no, I don't want to do that. I want to throw myself into, you know, 60 years old at 30 years old, you know, by, by going through what is like almost um, involuntary induced menopause, right? Right. And and so I didn't want to do that. I was like, I don't want to start aging at 30. But my doctor had said to me, well, you're aware you won't have any more children. She said, we've done these surgeries. We've given you these medications. 
Well, unbeknownst to me at 36. Surprise. Yeah. And, and I'm getting depo shots at that time and taking um, a hormone therapy where I had no cycle. So I, I wasn't even aware, you know, I mean, how would you know you don't miss a cycle because you're not having any. Mm -hmm. I was working uh, in a physician's office at that time and I thought I had the flu. And I'll never forget going to him and saying, oh, Lord, I think I have the flu. And he was like, well, let's do let's run some tests. So he runs a test. I come to work the next day and he was like, oh, can I see you in my office? I work for the group. And I go in and he says, you have the flu. And I said, I knew it. And he said, it's an 18 year flu. I was like, what kind of flu is that? We have a vaccine for 18 year flu. And he said, yeah, it's the kind you pay for college with. Oh, my gosh. So he was trying to tell me in, in a really funny way, you know, that I was pregnant. And I was like, what? Wow. So wow. crazy. I'm pregnant. But I go in, they do an ultrasound, and I have what is called a blighted ovum. I'm pregnant. There's no baby. Everything is there, but no baby. It was the most, I, I mean, it was so crazy. I thought, how in the world? And I thought, oh, I knew God didn't want this to happen right now. I just can't. I'm 36 years old. I don't want to have another baby. Well, two months later, I was pregnant again. And that was a real baby. And that was a real baby. <laughs> so wow. the doctors were already like, what is happening to you? What, how, how did you do that? And I said, I didn't do anything. You know, it's like, I don't know how that happened. So the baby was born. That was in 1999. Then in 2003, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I was working for the city um, and because of the cancer I was going through, uh, what they call it red Kool-Aid, um, which is a chemotherapy. It's a, it's a red chemotherapy that you get. I had a mastectomy and five lumpectomies on the right. So a mastectomy on the left and five um, lumpectomies on the right. Mm -hmm. I was diagnosed with invasive ductal carcinoma and so I was in chemotherapy. I had to go to radiation treatment. Obviously, you're healing from a major surgery. And the city decided that um, I was of no use to them. And, and they let me go. And, you know, a lot of my friends were saying, oh, my God, you should sue them. You should. And I said, you know what? There is a plan and purpose on every human life. I believe that wholeheartedly that God has a plan for every single person. And that wasn't the plant. I wasn't supposed to be there. He was shutting that door. And, and in my mind, I was thinking, I don't want to work for people that are like that anyway. Why would I fight for that job to work for those people that treat people that way? That's not my integrity. That's not who I am. And I don't want to be with a company that's that way. And so they let me go. It was devastating because we still have four children at home. And the finances, you know, I mean, just like that instantly. Mm -hmm. I got up one morning to go to chemo and my car was gone. You know, I'm like, oh, Lord, they took my car in the middle of the night. You know, you can't pay all the bills anymore. So you have to decide which bill is most important. Mm -hmm. And for us, having a roof over our head and food in our mouth was the most important. So I get well from the breast cancer and 
in my mind, I'm like, I will never, ever go outside the medical field again, ever. I'm going back to the medical field where if something happens to me again, I'm safe. So I get a job at the hospital here. I started in the OR and they said, oh, there's a program that's available if you'd like to do it. I said, and it was um, for anesthesia assistant in the OR. And I was like, oh my God, that's my dream job. I knew God closed the door. This is why this happened. You know, I was so excited. I was like, I get it. The breast cancer, you know, close the door, get fired from that job because I have your dream job over here waiting for you. I get to the hospital, I'm working there, and I start to get really sick again. I go in and be seen, and they're like, oh, I think the breast cancer has metastasized to the lung. And so they start doing these biopsies. And then they said, oh, no, well, maybe it, it looks like it might be asthma or emphysema and COPD. So they did 10 biopsies um, on each lung, 10. And it came back inconclusive. And so now they're like, oh, Lord, well, we don't know. So it's not cancer from, you know, it's not the breast cancer. It's not metastasis from the cervical cancer from 93 and not the breast cancer from 2003. And so then they go in and they take the upper middle lobe of my right lung and they send it off to California to a lab. And it comes back and my doctor, who he was a thoracic surgeon, he says to me, he calls me and he says, Cynthia, you have something called Lagerhans cell histiocytosis. He said, I have no clue what that is. I've never heard of it. He said, I tried to do some, you know, find some doctors here locally that could help you. He said, I can't find anybody. And I said, so what do I do now? And he said, I have no idea. Oh, my gosh. So, so the I person who's supposed to, who you are relying to to give you the answers, it's like clueless. So how do you feel in that moment? Well, you know, I kind of let him off the hook because he was a thoracic surgeon. You know, I'm like, okay, well, it's not really his responsibility to kind of know these things. He just likes to go open people's chest, mm -hmm. right? So I start calling around. I call my oncologist. I'm sorry. Can you go back? You're saying, so the first cancer was what year and the second one and the third? I'm kind of. So, so cervical cancer in 93. Okay. And then I gave birth to a child in 99. Mm -hmm. Then I got breast cancer in 2003. Okay. And then in 2007, I got really, really sick again. And it was like a year going into trying to find out what it was. These biopsies and all these things. Yes, yes, yes. And, and they had me listed with, uh, they had, they said it was lupus and that I had gout um, that I had emphysema and COPD, that I had, uh, yeah, it was crazy. I had like this list of like illnesses and everybody kept treating me. And I, I always use this, but it's only to laugh. They were all mistreating me, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it was actually misdiagnosing, right? Uh, but they were grasping for straws. You know, the thing with Lagerhans, what I would really like to speak on for a moment, and then I'll go back to the story, is 
I, I wish more doctors had knowledge of it because children, babies are so affected by this illness. And the sad thing is a mom will come into a doctor's office with her baby who, and it looks like he has a rash, maybe a diaper rash or something. And, and they'll say, oh, well, we'll um, prescribe some cream and go home and you should be okay. But Lagerhans and children love to show up on the skin. Well, unbeknownst to me, I had had a surgery on my neck and they couldn't figure out what it was. It was a skin ailment. And that happened in about 92 or 90, 90, about 92. And so I just let it go as some sort of skin, whatever, you know. But skin now, we know. yeah, now we know it was the logger hunts and but at that time we didn't uh -huh. and i kind of you know said oh well i have all these different holes and stuff you know it's probably just some skin thing right so uh i'm working at the hospital i get really sick <laughs> and they fired me <laughs> second time Second time, I you know that's why I thought I was safe. I was like, it's a hospital; they understand people get sick. That's why they have a job. They would never fire me if I got sick, but they did. Hmm. And so, for, in my mind, I'm like, why is this happening? What is happening to me? Every time I get where I think, oh, this is it. Oh, this is it. Something happens again. So now I'm battling the logger hunts. I find a doctor because I became my own advocate. And, mm -hmm. and this is something I really, really try to teach people. You must become your own advocate. It is not your doctor's responsibility. Yes and no. It is not the doctor's responsibility to have 100% the information. You have to search and, and talk to people and read on stuff. I mean, you have to, you have to be an advocate for yourself. That's how you get well. And when my doctors didn't know what to do, I started doing research on logger hunts. And I found Dr. McLean in Texas and Dr. Arsishi, who was at Johns Hopkins University, who has since passed, um, who were doing research. And this illness is all research protocol. It's listed with NORD, the National Organization of Rare Disease. There's no <laughs> cause. There's no known cure. Everything is research protocol. So I call these doctors. They get on the phone with my oncologist, my cancer doctors, and they say, look, here it is. This is what we have right now. And they put me in what is called research protocol treatment. I was in chemotherapy from 9 a.m. in the morning until 3 p.m. in the afternoon, Monday through Friday. Obviously, I could not be at a job. That's a full time. <laughs> it was full time. I would get a week off. But in that week, on a Monday morning, I would get what is called a Nulesta shot. Oh, my bejesus. They're tough, aren't they? Oh, uh, as if you already, it's not bad enough. They give you this, it's like that much 
teeny tiny. And you're like, oh, what is that little thing? That's not going to do anything. Yeah. No. Yes, it will. And so, you know, I'm going through this. So here's what ended up happening. It was bilateral lungs, my liver, um, which they took out three-fourths of my liver. So it was my lungs, my liver, my spleen, uh, left ovary, hip bone, ankle bone, um, my both eyes. I've had surgery on five times. And I had mastoid and temporal lesions in my skull for which I had radiation treatment. So it really just went rampant. Mm -hmm. Especially if you think that it's that it was present since 90 early 90s and not discovered until you were until 2007. So it had that time to grow and just spread throughout your body probably. Well, they think that there's a good possibility. I've had it since childhood and it was never known or uh, treated. Uh. So, you know, and doctors have sat down with me and they're like, something went wrong in the DNA. You know, I mean, you've had so many things that something had to have gone wrong in the DNA. And, you know, then they started questioning my mother's um, when she was carrying me, you know, was it a healthy um, pregnancy, pregnancy. Mm -hmm. which it was not, but not because of health reasons for her. It, it was other reasons, um, which I won't go into mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. But so I, I you know, I'm, I, I'm battling this. I'm, I'm in chemo and then I end up with toxemia which for people watching is poisoning from massive chemo treatment. Uh, and so they basically almost killed me trying to make me well. Not their fault. It, it's just research protocol. That's what they had. And so my doctor calls me in. Um, we're waiting for some results to come back on some stuff. I mean, I, I it, it you know, I had lost so much weight. I was in failure to thrive. You know, the whole thing, it was, it was just, it was crazy. My doctor calls me in and he says, Cynthia, it's, I mean, it, it was so amazing. And, and I just love this doctor. He, I've been with him for like, what, the whole time this has gone on. He puts his hands on my knees and he leans in so sad and so solemn. And he goes, it's not good. You have multi-vital organ involvement with a very poor prognosis he said at best we're looking at six months oh. he said, you know I, I take a vacation go somewhere do something you've always wanted to do and i just smiled and i took his hands off my knees and then i leaned into him and i said you do me a favor you be the doctor and let god be the timekeeper i said i can walk out of his office and get hit by a car and you said I had six months and I died in six minutes. I said, I don't believe that because people get diagnosed with cancer. That's what they're going to die from. What if they were in Las Vegas at a concert and some crazy guy at Mandalay Bay aims a gun out a window and shoots? Well, mm -hmm. they had cancer, but cancer is not what killed them. Right. And I said, so I don't believe here that because a person has cancer that is going to be their cause of death i think there is a plan and purpose on every human life and until that is carried out we're here mm -hmm. and, and it, 
it, it starts with the mindset. I, I refuse to let that go in my head that I had six months. So I, I just yeah, after each one, did you begin to think a different way? Did you look at, oh, there's a lot of times, you know, as a practitioner, I like to ask, well, what, why do you think you have this? Did they ever ask you that? Or did you ever ask yourself that? Like, why is this happening to me, for me? I, I think I know. I, and I think stress is the number one killer in this world. And every human has cancer cells in their body. Amen. Stress is the number one killer. And every human has cancer cells in their body. And people will say, you know, because like for me, I already had that at 38. My doctor refused to check it because I was 38. I didn't have family history. Insurance is not going to pay for a mammogram. So I walked around with a lump for two years because he wouldn't check it. And it was just crazy. When you think, okay, there's no family history, there's, you know, what people don't understand is when cancer cells are floating around in your body, they're floating around. When you go through a stressful moment in your life, you create more bad cells, which will attach themselves to that cancer cell wherever it happens to be floating at that moment. So at one point in my life, I went through a, a divorce uh, in 92 and 93, I had cervical cancer. Then I went through many more changes and then, you know, I ended up with breast cancer. There were still major, major things going on in my life. It was, I can tell you almost every single time I've gotten something, a major situation that was happening in my life. And people don't realize that positive mindset, positive attitude, positive thinking, you know, remove yourself from a stressful situation because that is what is going to be either heart disease cancer something is if you're overeating because you're trying to fill a void you're stressing so you're eating now it's diabetes whatever it is i'm a firm believer that stress is what kills people so the commonality was the stress at every single situation every single situation looking back and for our listeners because right now it appears that it appears to a lot of people that there's chaos and I kind of like to look at it as it's controlled chaos. So it's different. Yeah. <laughs> so if you yeah. go in with that perspective, like someone like, Oh, it's chaos. I'm like, Oh, it's controlled chaos. It's all going to work out. It's such a different attitude. So what did you do that really, when, like you said, the doctor put his hand on your, you know, on your knee and it was almost like, using the power of his words to tell you how much time you had left. Mm -hmm. And it was beautiful how you responded with what came in your mind to say, yeah, you're not the timekeeper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. So you probably made that shift right away in your mind. And just from the past experiences of seeing stress was um, the trigger. And you're right. We all have cancerous cells. It's just, 
do we have too many of them? And there's certain things in our life, the different stresses from environment to physical to emotional that will trigger and, and trigger. Mm -hmm. yeah, then you just get the dominance of those throughout your body. Mm -hmm. So what, you know, what, what are some of the, I would love to hear that because like I said, this is such a perfect time in the world where we are right now. Um, you know, with, with people, they're, they're suffering right now. And a lot of it is just the, the thoughts and what's going in their head and the commercials that they're playing. Yeah, you know, and I've had people ask me, are you scared with what's happening right now? You know, I mean, so I had breast cancer on this side and I had radiation treatment, which did damage the lung some. And also I've had issues with my heart since that. Uh, and then I lost the upper middle lobe of the lung on the other end. So they're like, are you scared? Are you worried about the pain? And I said, you, no, I'm not. Because I just feel like, and I say this all the time, you know, people are amazing to me because they act like they're, they're going to be the ones that live to eternity. They're going to be the one that, you know, oh, no, I'm going to live to 2098. <laughs> really? <laughs> <Are you? laughs> so, we all come here. And when we take a breath, that first day that we arrive to this world, at some point, someday, we will take a last one. So really, the thing is to live each and every day. You know, I take off my house shoes at night when I go to bed. I sit on the edge of the bed and I slip my house shoes off. When I wake up in the morning, my feet come over the side of the bed in the same exact place. And I slip into my house shoes. The very first thing I do is I turn my head up and I say, thank you for giving me another opportunity to get it right today. Mm -hmm. I have to be thankful that every day is another opportunity. Every day is another. And some people hate to see, oh God, I don't want to see tomorrow come. Jesus, I got to go to work. And it's like, yes, you do. Be happy that you're going to work. Mm -hmm. You could be laying in a hospital somewhere with COVID or cancer, or you could be burying a child today. You could, uh, so many things could have happened, but it didn't. People mm -hmm. aren't thankful enough for what they have. And I don't care if it's a one bedroom apartment in a lower income area. If you have that, there's always the opportunity that you can have more. But if you're wallowing in, oh, God, it's terrible and I hate being. And you start saying things like, I hate, I can't, I don't want. That's that's where the cycle starts, right? And mm -hmm. it's really what are you feeding your brain because we have thoughts and those thoughts when you talk to yourself it's more powerful than any person talking to you the self-talk is more powerful you can go to a doctor and he can say you have six months to live and if you take that into your head and you and you go oh my god i got six months to live oh my god i got six months to live you are you're going to be gone in six months and cynthia i I'm a firm believer that many times when doctors or providers give a death sentence of six months or three months to leave, a lot of the times the patients don't die from the actual condition, but they die from their That's belief it. 
it's literally simply the belief that they won't be able to get better because somebody with authority, somebody with knowledge, somebody with that position of power told me that I wasn't going to get better, so I won't get better. And that's the destiny that's for me. And then they lay in bed, yes. and they literally with pains and aches and everything. And yes. that's what takes people. And I, and I say that because I've seen people like you on the other end that were given that death sentence that time. And they said, not me, not today. It's not going to be my destiny. It's not going to be my, you know, my future. And they start advocating for themselves like you did. They start looking for their own resources, their own providers, their own methods, their own healing, their own natural ways of doing their things. And as long as they don't believe that that's what's going to be their end, it won't be. And I'm, I'm such a believer of that. And it doesn't only apply for you have six months to leave, but even taking a diabetic medication or a blood pressure medication, telling someone this is a medication that you're going to be on for the rest of your life. It's yeah. literally putting that sentence that that patient is going to have yep. to take that prescription for the rest of your life. And many yep. times, again, those lifestyles, even many, many cancers are lifestyle diseases. So yeah. taking the medication is putting a Band-Aid and actually changing the lifestyle. It's what's going to get you to that wellness state from the root. People don't want to do what's hard. Exactly. It's, I want to it, do what's easy. Mm -hmm. and, and we are in a world, in a time right now of you don't want to wait around to see the results. You know, if yeah. you do five abs and you don't wake up tomorrow with a six pack, you're like, Never again. It doesn't work. <laughs> That's right. And you know, it's when I came home that I will never, as long as I live, I will never forget that day. It was October 10th, 2010. I came home that day and I was sitting in my office and I was looking outside and I watched these two squirrels playing in the yard and they were just running around and chasing each other and up the tree. And I remember thinking, Wow, they're so happy. They don't have a job. They don't have to pay bills. They don't have a house to clean. They're not doing laundry. Why are they so happy? Because they have life. They're so happy because they have life. And in October, that's when all the leaves start to fall. And I'm sitting there watching these squirrels play. And all of a sudden, a leaf broke off of a tree. We have a big oak tree outside. And I had never in my life taken time to watch squirrels play or leaves fall. It just, I, I just didn't, it was not necessary. <laughs> you know, There is no time to connect with ourselves. We're so busy that, you know, taking time, taking five minutes to see, to see you know, outside the, the, the trees outside yeah. seems like a waste of time. When in reality is that reconnection very with healing. ourselves. Mm -hmm. Very healing. I watched a leaf fall and I remember it just kind of broke off of the branch and it twirled and it twirled and it twirled. And I watched it go all the way till boom, it hit the ground. And in my head, I'm going, oh, wow, that was amazing. It developed right on that tree. It blossomed in its springtime, like we talk about, right? I'm in the winter of my life or I'm in the summer of my, you know, depending on our age, where we are in our lifespan, yes. that leaf grew and blossomed on that tree. And in its winter 
or autumn time, right? When the leaves fall, it has served its purpose. It blossomed and grew. It provided a service. It protected us from the sun. You know, it, it did its thing that it was supposed to do. But when its life was over and its purpose was served, it broke and it twirled and it went into the ground from where it came, right? Because it had to come from the ground as a seed through the, you know, through the trunk of the tree and it blossomed. Now yeah. it's done. As we go back into the ground, the life was over for that leaf. And I thought about that for a minute. I was like, wait, so the squirrels are playing. They don't have any bills. They're not worried about anything. That leaf just served. It was like God sent like four messages to me like instantly and said, I have a purpose for you. Don't worry about these things. The Bible has a, has a verse and it says, if I provide for the fowl in the air, will I not do more for my own child? Mm -hmm. So the Bible says, I'll give you shelter. I'll give you food. I'll show you how to live and survive. And so I was like, okay. So I don't have six months. I have until you say, right? Uh, I'm just going to have fun. And I'm going to serve my purpose, whatever it is. And then all of a sudden things started to happen. First thing I did was write a book, a breast cancer notification, the gory details, what they don't tell you. The book was not about me. I see a lot of people that write cancer books and it's all about them. My book was how I was notified and how I notified my children, my family, my friends. Because I think people want to know, oh my God, you have cancer. What did your husband say? How did your mom react? What did your what did your kids do? But they you can't ask that question, right? That's so inappropriate. I mean, that's like who would ask somebody that question? They just got diagnosed with cancer and then you ask, Oh, what did your husband say? So a lot of people don't even want to talk about it. They they get so uncomfortable. You're like, I have cancer. They're like, okay, let me turn the other way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I wrote a book, the gory details, what people don't tell you, right? About when my husband found out or my kids found out the screaming, the crying, the words, because this is what really happens because people don't understand. It's not that the cancer affects us, right? The doctors got me. They're going to take care of me. But who's taking care of everybody else? Yeah. And I would tell people, don't call here and say, oh, Cynthia, how are you? How are things going? How are you feeling? Call and ask the kids, how are they? Call and ask Jeff, how is he? I'm good. I'm worried about them. So don't call and ask how I'm doing because the doctors are going to take care of me. Call and ask how they're doing because there's nobody to take care of them. So families are the ones I worry about when people are going through cancer and what their input is to that person, right? Uh -huh. Cynthia, I have a listener who had cancer as well, and he's asking, what can you share with the audience since you've been in remission? What type of things can you share uh, being in remission? 
you know, again, I, I have to, people say all the time, I've had doctors come in and meet with me and say, you know, this is crazy. How did you do this? And, and I say all the time, well, number one, and Dr. Marquez, no disrespect to you. I'm like, I did, in my chart, you will see patient is non-compliant. Patient is non-compliant. <laughs> I, I just, I'm like, you know, I feel like a kid, like she doesn't listen to us. We told her to do things and she doesn't do it. But you have to be an advocate for yourself first. First, they wanted to put me on tamoxifen uh, when I had breast cancer. I refused to take it. I refused. I, I, I looked it up. I read about it, and I said, "Why would I take a cancer medicine that heals one cancer but could cause another cancer? Um, that's crazy." So then you said, "Well, we healed the breast cancer, but now you got whatever." I said, I'm not taking that. That's for men, women who are already menopausal. I don't fall in that category. So first of all, listen to your body. Listen to your body. Make decisions based on what your body is saying to you and talk to your doctor about those decisions. If your doctor does not agree with what you're saying or what you want to do, find another doctor. This is something else I tell people. Again, I mean, no disrespect. When you go to a doctor, either you're paying cash or the insurance is sending them a check. They really become your employee. You have hired them to do the number one thing in your life that is most important. Look after your health. You hired them. If you feel like a doctor is not focused on the best care for you or listening to you, the person going through this, then you need to fire your doctor because you can be fired from a doctor's office, but you can also fire your doctor and find another one. Mm -hmm. And so you must have a good relationship with your doctor. You must. Mm -hmm. They must be willing and open to listen to you. You must be an advocate for yourself. But the positive mindset is the ultimate, most important thing that you can do. What are you talking to yourself about? Oh, so important. Mm -hmm. so so my faith in God and my positive attitude. Yeah, it always goes back to that mindset. I, I remember someone had said um, she went to the doctor's office and they said, um, well, bad news, Mrs. Smith, um, you have cancer. She goes, you better take that back. I didn't have it before I came in. So she never <laughs> said the word cancer. She went through chemo. She did both um, nutritionally, holistically, worked on her mindset, but not once did she say she had cancer. Not once did she use the word. It was not allowed in her home, it wasn't allowed in the circle of friends because just that word itself is like, for many people, it's like a death sentence. And yeah. it's that, that negative energy, that negative, yes. Yes. I so, And that's why you'll always hear me say, you know, I hear a lot of people who, who are um, cancer survivors and I, you know, I don't even, I'm not even crazy about that word, um, but, you know, they'll say, I have breast cancer. And I'm like, oh, so you're currently in treatment? No, I mean, 
I, you know, it was like in 2002 or something. I'm like, so you don't have breast cancer. You had breast cancer that you dealt with. Yes, but I mean, I still have. And I said, no, you, you don't know. Stop saying I have breast cancer or I have this or I have. You'll hear me say I had four different cancers. Not one was connected to the other. I refuse to believe they were metastasis. So they weren't. Um, so again, cervical cancer, breast cancer, Lagerhans, then skin cancer. And did any of them stop me? No. Are they going to? No. Um, and Fernando, you and I talked about one of the other things that I did after I found out I had cancer or after I found out I had, you know, dole, we got six months. I went to make my own funeral arrangements and it was kind of funny because I go into the funeral home and the only reason I did it was not because I believed I was going to die, but because my family had gone through so much. I didn't want to put anything else on their plate. I just could not even imagine them walking in there, my kids trying to figure out, oh, what does mom want? And I thought they're gonna spend too much money. I don't want them to do this. So I go to the funeral home, I walk in, the funeral director comes up to me and he says, hi, can I help you? And I said, yes, I need to make funeral arrangements. And he said, I'm so sorry, is it a family member? And I went, it's me. You could kind of say that. And he went, a close friend, like family. And I said, yeah, I like to think so. And he was, he was kind of looking at me like, what's wrong with this broad? <laughs> and I said, it's me, actually. And he went, oh. And he said, well, I mean, not, you're not thinking of doing anything drastic, are you? And I said, no, because everybody would always say, well, you don't look sick. It's amazing. People are amazing. Well, they always go, you don't look sick, though. But what does sick look like? I don't know. So the funeral director said, you're not going to do anything like I said, no, what, kill myself? No, no, that's not happening. I go in and I'm meeting with this funeral director. And I'm joking the whole time. This guy doesn't even really know how to take me. And we're walking through, we're looking at caskets. And I said, I, I have a question. I said, you know how they make those latch releases in the trunks of cars? I said, can you make one for me so I can escape? I said, do they have those in caskets? And he went, um, no, I don't think so. And I said, I, I'd like a latch release, please. And somehow put in my casket. And he went, what? And I said, well, maybe the reason nobody's ever come back to tell us how death is is because they couldn't get out of the casket. <laughs> I, was like, I said, so I want a latch release. I want a cup of coffee. And um, there was something else I wanted. And he's just looking. We're laughing in the funeral home. People are kind of looking at us like, what is happening? Who is in here laughing at a funeral home? And he said to me, Cynthia, in my 40 years of being a funeral director, I have never had anyone come in, especially to make their own funeral arrangements, being you know, told that they had six months to live with this attitude, with having fun. I said, you know what? Look, we're all going to die. That's obvious. And I said, I don't want my family to come in here and spend a lot of money. I said, imagine this. If I bought a mahogany cabinet and somebody took it out in the backyard and threw dirt on top of it, I would come 
unglued. But then we're going to spend $10,000 on this mahogany casket and drop it down into the ground and throw dirt on. Oh, I can't even. Oh, my God. It just makes me crazy hearing it. And I said, so a wooden box is fine for me. Just a latch release. That's all. That's all I need. That's all I want. <laughs> I love the humor that you had in that. Um, and are you familiar with the book Anatomy of an Illness? No. And there's quite a few books out there on how how they've used um, humor. Where there was the, the movie with Patch Adams, right, with with mm -hmm. Robin Williams, um, and you know about using humor to heal the body. So yeah. I think that you probably taught him a lesson and, and that's something that you've used unknowingly maybe along this time as well. That Oh, I have. My, I could I tell a lot of stories about my prosthesis, but I won't do it here. <laughs> <laughs> the, they're good weapons to have though when people, when, when husbands don't want to listen. Yeah, we'll have to put you on a comedy stage and... <laughs> You know, how, how you, I love how you do that because that's actually healthy for your white blood cells, mm -hmm. you know, and, and laughter, even that's a biblical, it's in the Bible about how laughter is good medicine. Mm -hmm. So I think that's so beautiful. It heals how, ulcers. It's been known yeah. to heal ulcers. Yeah. And then the power of your mind. And then just what you were saying about, you know, you are God's highest creation and Absolutely. what you think about is really um, what you think about. It's really what you continue to perpetuate in your life. So such a pleasure to to hear you, you know, share this with people, because I think you're really going to touch a lot of people's lives. I'm sure you are already with your book, with your podcast and just going out and sharing your message and, and just to never give up. I mean, I can't even imagine going through it one time, but the second and third. And, and we always think, don't you think you would have learned your lesson the first time, but you know, stress comes in, in different ways. And there's things that do happen in our life, but some of us, we're not going to learn the lesson the first time, nor the second, nor the third, nor the 10th. Sometimes it's like the 11th time that it's like, Oh, I, I get it. I get it now. Yeah. So. I yeah, think it's beautiful that you're and you're many times center. too. It's life preparing you for that next thing in your life. You know, yeah. you served you served your purpose with that company. You served your purpose being an yes. employee. You needed to do something bigger, and you needed to have those experiences that were going to shape you and teach you and help you grow and become who you are right now. To do the things yeah. that you're doing right now, bringing awareness to the cancer writing your books, talking, having your podcast and just spreading the word. And those are not things that you would be able to do. Have you first felt defeated when the doctor said that to you? Or at any point, if you would not have the experiences the way that everything happens and everything's perfect, right? The timing is perfect. Everything's perfect. Absolutely. As long as we're willing to see the silver lining and the positive lesson at the other end of whatever tragic experience you're having, there is always something that comes out at the end of the tunnel. There is always, the sun always comes oh. out next morning after it's been dark outside. So looking for that positive thing, that next thing, the why it happened and how I can become better 
And I think you've done such a wonderful job of doing that. And not only that, but spreading your knowledge and your awareness and your experience with anybody that can listen. I think it's it's just so huge. And I thank you, Cynthia, for that. Thank you. Yeah, the only thing I, I am always concerned about is I never want to offend anyone, you know, it, and, and what I tell people, you know, they're like, well, your story, you know, especially people who want to become speakers, your story is, you know, I don't have a story like that. And I'm like, you know, my worst is my worst. And just because that's my worst, but whatever you went through, that was your worst thing that you went through is equal to my worst because that was your worst. Mm hmm. There's no levels of worst, right? Unless we're talking about German worst, you know. And everything is a matter of perspective. That's something that Dr. Linda and I always say, right? Everything's a matter of perspective. So what you what you mean, what you attach, the type of meaning that you attach to something right. is what it is. So if you spilled your coffee and you think that's the worst thing that could have happened. That would never happen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but if you think that's the worst thing that can happen, then literally that's that's how difficult your life will be because a simple program, problem means that it's huge in your life, right? So everything's a matter of perspective and everything that happens, we, we attach the meaning. So yes. if you say, oh, my God, this is the best experience of my life, even if it's something difficult, it changes the way things happen and neurologically and biology in yes. our bodies. Every single cell, every time we get mad, every single cell in our bodies feel that and get yes. the toxins and get those chemicals. So smiling, being happy, being positive. And at the very least, if we're going through shit, being neutral. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. Be neutral. Okay. This is what's happening and this is it. And, and that, you know, it is what it is basically. And how can I make it better? And, and, and again, like we talked about in the very beginning, vitamin D getting sunshine, you know, there's a reason why people use, you know, words like, Oh, that's the sunshine of my life or shining down on me. There is a beauty that comes from that. And there is also a healing from that light. You know, yes, okay, the UV rays, and yes, I've had skin cancer, but you know what? I don't step outside and go, oh, God, I've had skin cancer. I better not get no sun. No, I need that sun for other reasons. You know, you know, people, people th take things to extreme, and that's what I don't do. I don't say, well, I had breast cancer. I better not do this. Or I had, sir, I had, you know, skin cancer. I better not go swimming anymore. You know, I don't do those things. And I say something that I always pray and hope that I don't offend people who have cancer or who have lost someone to cancer. And that is cancer was a blessing for me. It was a blessing. And so it really is how do you look at things, right? Is the glass half empty or is it half full? Who cares? What's in it is what matters. If it's half empty or half full, it's the same amount. But what is it? Is it liquor? Is it coffee? <laughs> yeah, what's in the glass? People always ask that question. Is it half empty or half full? Mm -hmm. Who cares? What's in there? That's the important thing. Mm -hmm. It's like what, what's in the glass. That's important. Not how empty or full it is. Because it's how you use what is in that glass that you're going to be feeding yourself. Mm -hmm. Half empty or full. So cancer was a blessing for me. 
it it changed my life yes i'm writing my second book called i won't fire me appropriately so i would never fire me i'm like what i was a person who would like work and they didn't even have to pay me overtime i was like no it's fine it's okay i understand i'll help it's good i would never fire me why would you fire me i'm the like the most dedicated committed i love to come to work i love love to joke with everybody at work and have fun but they fired me from two jobs. And so now I run my own business. Now I do my own thing. Now I talk to my, I won't fire me. Nothing broke you and nothing will. I, I won't fire me, I promise. I'm hired. <laughs> <laughs> I hired me and I am going to hire me again. Beautiful. <laughs> All right, Cynthia, I think it's time for us to go. Thank you so much for connecting with us. It's been so amazing. I wish I could talk to you for another hour. Oh, I, I wish I could hug you guys. Like, I'm a hugger. I love to hug. <laughs> so thank, thank you so much for bringing your, your experience. And not only that, but everything in your life that it's been positive and, and showing it to us and sharing it with us in such a light manner with humor and just connecting with with us and i'm sure the audience feels connected with you as well so it's been it's been an amazing experience thank you thank you for inviting me and dr marquez so awesome meeting you i look forward to seeing you guys again i hope this won't be the last occasion i don't think it will be <laughs> all right thank, thank you guys you. thank you and we'll see you bye